the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. It's the Thursday edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And as you know by now, you've tuned into The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, life questions, relationship questions, as they pertain to the Word of God. We'll do the best that we can. All you need to do is call us, 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can send your questions in using our free Calvary Chapel mobile app, If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Hit one button. It says Call Now. The top of the screen, you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Uh, One more time for our main number. It's 340-9585. Paula, people are complaining because you haven't been here but one time this week now. <laughs> yeah, I'm off my game, right? Uh, it's too funny. Okay, so I'm here today. You're here today. Yeah, yeah. I've been busy. Well, we've been talking about a lot of stuff today, so I have no idea what you want to talk about. So, what's on your heart? So, we've been talking about a lot of stuff, but you have no idea. Well, when I went home to kind of check with the Lord about, you know, what to talk about today. Um, you were so cute at breakfast, but uh, first, you know, in my in my nighttime writing, um, what about me today? And so every day, you know, to look around to see where Jesus is going and who's going to talk to you, what he wants to do. Anyway, you know, I've been, uh, this is humble pie right here for me. Um, I've been thinking, you know, the Lord spoke to me in, in on our vacation and the word's been, this was two years ago. But about two years ago, the word has been reboot, you know, like I got some genius thing and uh, and it is good. Reboot, reboot, reboot. And so go ahead and tell the people what you told me this morning. Well, no. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> OK. <laughs> well, pa- Paula has a tendency when she catches on to something to wear it out. And reboot has been that thing. And so she's reboot, reboot. And I said, Paula, the problem with rebooting is you make it sound like it's something we have to do. And, and, and if we're going to be rebooted, it's just really to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's something that Jesus does because he promised, because he's already done it, he's made the provision. So for us thinking, okay, got to reboot, I got to plug into Jesus. All we have to do is be with him. And then he, we abide in him, he abides in us. And, and that's where the power for a living comes from. So it's really just a, a function of, of being with Jesus and letting 
not only his power, but his love and his kindness and all of the other wonderful attributes of our Lord. It's about letting those things flow from him through you to other people. And, you know, if I got to get up every day and it depends on me to plug in, my flesh doesn't want to do that. It's not that I, I just go with him and he sort of puts his arm around me and let's go. Yeah. So so that's what I was talking about, but I didn't know it was a big deal for you. It is a big deal because, um, you know, I've been saying that, and I don't want to be one who would try to make it happen. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so when you said that, it was like, the Lord's like, yeah, the reboot, Paula, is on my end. <laughs> <laughs> you just get up, you know, as soon as I wake, wake. In fact, even before my eyes are awake, I already feel the stirring of the Lord, like, you woke up another day, and so there's something to do. And the word that you always say is just be with Jesus. So, you know, I'm starting to do that, putting out my hand, too. And so the reboot is on him, not me. So it was really good to get that cleared up, Pastor Ron. So I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I've said this many times in, in Bible studies, Paul, but, but too many of us, we think that, uh, Jesus started this whole thing, but we have to finish it. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very fine line that we just cannot cross. Yeah. Uh, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. And and just way too often we think that uh, the, the blessings that are, are available or the, the work that God wants to do through us, uh, all of that depends on me, and I'm going to get really, really close with Jesus. I've got to study really hard. and I, yeah, but, but he says, just... just hang out with me just Just be be with with me me. Mm -hmm. and then his power god gives the holy spirit to those who obey Mm -hmm. we take that step of obedience Mm -hmm. and it's really our only part it's a little tiny step and then it's like this tidal wave of power comes and enables us to do whatever we want to do so um that that was just the comment i made today and i didn't sometimes we say stuff it's deep pastor (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate it though and you know what i it's so cute because I'm thinking, I've been saying reboot for about a year and a half. How come you didn't say something before now? Well, I, <laughs> honestly, I thought that you'd get tired of it soon. <laughs> you I mean, know me. I mean, we were talking about last night's Bible study. <laughs> yes, yeah. And you said, you know, everything, every one of those things you said, it's reboot. It's reboot. Yeah, it's reboot. yeah, yeah. When so you that's, said to- that's when I said, I've got to say something. <laughs> <laughs> you actually said reformulate. Yeah. And I, I said, oh, that's a reboot. Reformulate who Jesus is in your mind. That's a reboot right there. And so thank you for the, the nice breakfast, the, the subtle compliment or uh, correction, I should say. And so, okay, so maybe the Lord will give me another word, and I'll be stuck on that one too. But you know, <laughs> you know what the new one is? Is Paula, relax. And see, relax to me is a reboot. <laughs> Paula, relax. Trust me. So you probably hear that one a little more often. Now I, I, I let reboot go, but I don't know. It was kind of stuck in there, because every every study, every study, Pastor Ron, reboot comes up. But I think it's well now that I got this new definition. <laughs> <laughs> it's an everyday with everybody who belongs to Jesus. Well, you you know I've said to you and I've said to our church. I, I think. Uh, of the triune Godhead, uh, the Holy Spirit has the most difficult job. Mm-hmm. And the reason he has the most difficult job is because he's sort of confined um, in, in physicality. He lives in us, uh, relationally speaking. Um, but, but, but he is ignored and forgotten. And uh, without him, we can do nothing. It, it would be like having the nicest car in the world and keeping it completely empty on gasoline, and all you could do is look at it. Well, a lot of us as Christians, we're like that beautiful car. Uh, we know the right things to say, but there's just no go power. Mm-hmm. And it's because we're trying to do things in our own strength. And, and uh, you know, I, I've got a picture in my head of the Holy Spirit, sort of like old-timey cartoons, where he's sitting above my head saying, Hey! I got a lot I want to do. Let me play. Come on, let me in. And and we just never do it because we think we got this. And what I would like for every Christian to do every day is realize our utter helplessness to do anything constructive at all, anything in our own strengths. And when I say that, Paul, it offends people because they think, no, I'm a good person. They think, well, well, I do some good things. I want to help people. And, but, but we can't even do that well. 
without the power of God. Mm-hmm. And, and even if we are doing something that is a good thing, there's no reward for it if we're doing it for us. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing something so Jesus will be pl- proud of me or Jesus will be happy with me, then that misses the whole point that he is already pleased. He's already thrilled. And all we have to do is, is walk with him in his presence, and then we can't miss the power of God that's available to every one of us every day. It is why I believe that there's so uh, much impotence in, in our individual walks with the Lord. We're trying to do the right things in our own strength and sometimes on our own terms. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, to coin your phrase, that's when we need to reboot. But we do that <laughs> by simply saying, Jesus, I can do nothing apart from you. Yeah. And we don't like that because we like to think, I can do something. I got something to offer. Yeah. And and when we, we find ourselves in that place, it's a really, really difficult place because we find out how futile and frustrating it is to try to serve the Lord in our own strength. And I think in as a result of that, we put so much pressure on ourselves to perform mm-hmm. instead of letting the power of God in us do all the performing. Uh, I think there's something instinctive in us, Paula, that says, well, we want some of the credit for what God is doing. And God doesn't share his glory. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah even my salvation. Yeah, so maybe while you guys were at your men's retreat, you know, after the leadership ladies left my house and stuff, so I have um, a couple days to just kind of sit and listen. Um, and uh, maybe this is what he was saying in Galatians 2.20, and I'll be speaking on this at the pastor's wives' conference. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ <laughs> lives in me. You think? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's, that's, he reboots me every day. I don't have to reboot myself. So anyway, uh, you know, how long I've been saved? <laughs> <laughs> we are works in progress. You know that's right. Uh, I said that the other day. So anyway, um, Pastor Ron, I was looking or, or going over my notes from last night's. Well, Paula, we we got a couple phone calls, so okay, let, me, let's let me go here first, and okay. then we'll, we'll come back to this. Sure. Let's first go to Harold on line one. Harold, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Ron and Paula. I didn't mean to interrupt hey. all the all the happiness and everything, but it's good <laughs> to be happy too. But anyway, you know, I'm I'm so surprised at myself sometimes. Maybe I have a guilty uh, conscience sometimes. Uh, as much as I read the Bible, it never amazes me. I'm still picking up something that I read, but it means something different. I'm, I was reading just just early last night, actually, Numbers chapter twelve, one through eight, where Miriam and Aaron were discussing something not too nice about Moses, and and it says that the Lord heard it immediately and he called uh moses and aaron and miriam out to the tent and he had a few words with them so it you know right there god's listening and i guess he don't like what someone's saying you know you're having problems at work this and that you might get called out i don't know i I feel good saying it (laughs) i need somebody on my side and uh just one more little thing just one more little thing that there's a friend of mine that just got married uh, Saturday, and I saw him today at work, and I said, I noticed you got a Bible there, you know, because they know that I read the Bible and, you know, talk about things like that sometimes, and he goes, yes, and I said, do you know what's in it? He goes, no, what? I said, you'll find out. But anyway, you know, I just want to leave in good spirits and everything, and I'll catch up with you all next time. Harold, thank you very, very much. You know, I love the story. All right, bye-bye. When, uh, uh-huh. Bye. I, I love the story when um, um, Aaron and Miriam were sort of grumbling. Why? Who does he think he is? And why is he in charge? Mm-hmm. And God simply said to them, uh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I chose him. You got a problem with that? You got a problem with me? And of course, Miriam, who was the instigator, was stricken with leprosy mm-hmm. for a moment. Imagine how terrifying that was mm-hmm. when her hand was pulled out and it was leprous. And and um, Moses interceded. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, I heard that teaching yesterday too um, on the program right after yours. Uh, Rander was saying uh, uh, Moses and you know Aaron and uh, Miriam were saying he don't just speak to you. 
he can speak to us too, you know. <laughs> and says, and the Lord heard that. They were grumbling against the, the man that God had chosen to lead. Um, and they were like a little upset, you know. And then, of course, he married outside of his clan. And they were upset with that too. And, you know, God has a plan in all of this. And so, yeah, God heard it. And we need to be, I'm talking to myself, be mindful of what we say, how we say, what we say. Yeah. Yeah. God hears everything. He really does. He sees everything, knows everything. You keep saying he knows our hearts. And that's a good reminder. He does know our hearts. He knows what we're going to do. When we say, um, I love him, he knows the depth of that love. Um, when when he, he says, if you love me, you will obey me. And so that's how we get to measure our love. And there's sometimes, that you, I don't know if it was you last night, or there's so many studies going on in my head. But um, when God says, don't do something, and then we intentionally, knowing it's wrong, do it anyway, that's not love. That's not loving God. You know. Sounds like something I'd say. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Let's go to Ray on line two from San Antonio. Ray, thanks for holding. You're on the air. All right. Hello, Paula and Pastor Ron. Hi, Ray. Um, you were talking earlier about the business uh, of being stuck on a word or whatever, and it just it just it brought to mind. Uh, some words, and I'll just I'll just toss one out and see what you think of that. As and it, and it kind of falls into the same thing as the last bit when you said, "Well, we need need to be mindful of what we say and how we say it, etc." <clears throat> but it, it seems to me that the the overuse of because. It brings no fruit, <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. Is that is that clear enough? No, give me an example. Of what you mean, Ray? By because put it put well, it in thought. If, if somebody does something or says something, and you well, why did you well because you did or because yeah. they did? I can't, and you know it goes into that vein of I can't do and. And I just don't know how to how to relate to that attitude. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got it right. Thank you very, very okay. much. I appreciate it. All right. And Thank you. Uh, another word, Paula, that I put in that category is the word but. Mm-hmm. Um, we know what God wants, but. And then we're going to make an excuse. Or here's why I was unkind, because you were unkind to me. And I think we, we Christians sometimes were caught in a reactionary position. Um, uh, almost like we have to um, defend ourselves. And God, basically, he doesn't have any, any, there's no loophole, there's no excuses that allow us the freedom to sin based on what somebody else has done for us. And if we would be honest enough to understand that every time we do that, whether it's but or because, um, every time we do that, we're making excuses for our own sin while condemning the sin of another, and God says that is the, the, the highest standard of hypocrisy. And because God sees and knows everything, uh, why is it that we think we're actually fooling people? You know, the Christian who, who um, says Jesus with his mouth or her mouth and lives in a way that is contrary to that profession um, and we think that God's fooled because we say the right things. Um, I, I just, Ray said it, he had to disconnect. I, I, I don't understand why anybody would even think for a moment that just because they say the right thing or because they've ras- rationalized why they're doing something that they know is wrong, uh, why they would think for even a moment that God would be okay with that. So it's it's just one of those difficult things that we Christians, we've got to understand. There is never an excuse for sin, not in retaliation, not in, well, they did it first, uh, not, well, I have to defend myself. One of the things I talked about in the Bible study last night was Jesus not defending himself uh, when he was the only defensible man who's ever lived in the history of the world. 
Uh, and he chose not to defend himself at all. Yeah. Yep. I agree. You know, and knowing there's there's times when we'll say things um, just to get a reaction from another. And so, you know, watch that as well. Jesus is always with us. Yeah. He's always listening. And we always need watching. to reboot. <laughs> I'm humbled now. I'm really humbled. Three, four, I don't even zero, know if I want to be on the radio today. Seriously, <laughs> I don't. I don't have anything I need to say. <laughs> Three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you have any questions or calls, ladies, if you need any encouragement from Paula, this is the time. Paula, what's next on your list? You know, listen, looking like I was starting to say about Isaiah fifty three, talking about our ordinary king. Then our servant king, our searching king that I think, I don't know which one are all my favorites, but the searching king I, was really one that stuck out to me. The silent king, which is what you're talking about right now. He didn't defend himself. He uttered not a word in his defense. The sinless king, the obedient king, the risen king, the victorious king. You know, I like lists. And so as you were saying... Before that, before the study, before we study this, I want you to be ready to let Jesus wash over you. And so, before we even talk about the study, Ron, would you maybe give a definition of Jesus washing over us? Yeah, it's a hard one. We, we all, we mean different things when we're saying, uh, um, but, but, but what I mean by that, uh, I, I think of baptism, Paul. Uh, it's just just being totally immersed. Um, wh- when I said last night, um, the study is is holy ground. Isaiah fifty three, uh, one of the most encouraging. Um, I mean, it really is a burning bush moment for all of us if we'll just really dig in. Um, to, to you know, when Moses was standing before the burning bush, um, he was told to take off his sandals for the place he's on, his holy ground, and he got on his face as low as he could possibly get to the ground. And what I wanted the, 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 the audience to do last night was just let the words, as I read them first, um, wash over them. And then after hearing the words, letting the Holy Spirit have his way, then letting Jesus, as we go through the stage, just, just let Jesus wash over you. And it's to recognize who he is, what he's done, the depth of his love for each and every one of us, the value that we have to the Lord. And I just don't think too many of us think in those terms. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaiah 53 is a place where um, if we understand what he endured for us, uh, knowing everything that was going to happen to him. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah and Moses appeared to him mm-hmm. and told him everything that was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I imagine it was a Bible study. These are the Psalms that are going to be fulfilled. This is what Isaiah 53 said. And this is all. Now, Jesus knew those things, but, but they gave it order and direction and sort of finality in time and space. And Jesus, knowing what was going to happen to him, did it anyway because his father esteemed us of greater value. And and we need to be cleansed with that, immersed by it every day. Too many of us, we wake up not feeling very good about ourselves, and we get so much going on, we're so busy, we hardly let Jesus have a moment of our time. And, and uh, instead, I would suggest that we need to let him wash us every morning. And it's okay to have routines. It's okay to go through uh, a routine prayer as long as it's, it's prayer from the heart. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if it's going to have any value for us, practical value for us, what we need to do is be soaked to the bone in his presence. And that's what I meant by letting Jesus wash over us. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's like the, the reason we, we immerse people in water, in baptism, because it's symbolic of a death and a new life. And uh, I think that's, Paula, what, what, I, what I meant. I don't know if that explains mm-hmm. it or not, but mm-hmm. that's... Mm-hmm. It's very clear to me. Yeah. Yeah, you were saying and making us try to understand why the Jews watching Jesus go through the beating, the scourging, you know, the mocking, spitting in his face, um, 
they couldn't understand that this was this was the Messiah. He no way this can't be God to suffer like this. And though they miss it, um, I think sometimes as you were saying that sometimes we run away from those who suffer. That would have you know I even see in the movie. Uh, what was it? Uh, what was it called? Of Christ, the Passion, the Passion of Christ. Yeah, uh, just in the movie, you know, that's not even real life. That's a movie. I couldn't even hardly watch it, you know. And one of the kids in the in the theater said, "Stop!" You know, I was like, "Yeah, stop!" <laughs> you know. Um, but people who are suffering, sometimes we run from that, and I just. You know, in the movie, I wanted to run away from that as well. And thinking, wow, Jesus went through all that. It's a hard concept to think that he did that just for me. And, you know, he wanted to run away too. Asked his father three times. But three times the father said no, and he said, thy will, not mine will be done. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the program, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program. We've got 30 minutes left in the date day edition of the show. And beautiful Paula is live in studio with us. So whatever is on your heart, just give us a call. Paula, what's up? Well, um... The other day, and I don't remember where we were, but it was a church, I guess, or maybe the pastor's receptive class where you said, you said, Lord, I love you and help me to love you more. And I know you pray that, but Lord, help me to love you at a depth that I've not loved you before. And I think Isaiah 53 helped you. Um, Because when you think about this, ordinary king who was a a servant first you know like you said um, not my will but thy will be done I'm going I'm here on a mission from God and I'm going to be faithful in my mission and man even though he wanted to get out of it he 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 served all the way to the end Um, and being the suffering king you know, when you think of a king, um, you don't really think of him suffering at all. Yeah, if there's any kind of a disturbance, you don't let the you don't let the king have that. You know, you, the servants would do everything and anything to keep their king from any uh, discomfort. And yet, Jesus said, "You know, I could, on the cross, of course, I can call down twelve legions of angels," and he didn't. Um, and then we get to the searching king, my favorite one. You know, he just went out of his way to make sure I didn't go to hell. He wanted me so badly, he sent the Holy Spirit, and he wants the whole world to be saved. So it's not like he just sent the Holy Spirit just for me or a, a few others. Um, you know, he, he's here for everybody, and he's searching for everyone to turn around and see his arms stretched out to them that he would he would save them so he's the searching one and the i love the definition you gave too um god sent a search party for me the holy spirit of course we're all sheep who strayed or stray to this day romans 3:23 sinning continually sometimes even as believers on purpose um but most of the time it's an accident but we're still so fleshy, you know. I have to say I'm sorry almost every day. Um, but falling short always. But he's always looking, even as we run away. Well, I think that you're, we're talking about verse 6 in Isaiah 53, mm-hmm. uh, which says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. 
Um, I think there are just too few of us who are willing to be honest enough to say that describes me. Um, you know, my flesh always wants to turn its own way. Mm-hmm. My flesh has an insatiable appetite. My flesh always, always wants to, to be satisfied. And because of that, Jesus, because we've strayed, Jesus paid the price to empower us to walk in his perfect will. And, and he's told us how to do it. It's not a formula exactly, but what he's told us is, is um, I love you so much that when you mess up, I've made provision for you to return. And that ought to be motivation enough. And I just think too many of us, we're so busy making excuses for the bad choices we make or for doing the things that we want to do, um, even while we're doing it at a phone call yesterday on the program, Paula, where um, somebody said, um, um, you know, uh, even while I'm doing it, I'm saying I'm sorry to the Lord, uh, a particular sin. Um, but, but what we need to understand is that Jesus has made provision for that. Jesus chased us down. That's why, you know, this whole study from from the way I set it up was was about beholding Jesus. And I think if we would recognize that he is a searching Jesus, he's looking for that one sheep that's gone astray. Um, Got the 99, they're safe, they're with him, but he goes after the one. It's because we stray. Mm -hmm. And if, if we would understand his heart to do that we would have a depth of gratitude every day that most of us just don't have yeah. it's almost like we say Jesus thanks for dying for my sins thanks for saving me and taking me to heaven but I got it from here and we go around doing our own thing and we forget that Jesus is out there chasing us down uh, in the process of, of, of our own sin um, because that's who this king is and the the premise of our Bible study last night was this is a man who um, who was unexpected. Uh, Jews didn't expect their, their Christ, their Messiah, to behave like this. And uh, he did it, and he did it for us. Let's take a phone call, Paul, and then we'll come back to this. Jeff on line one from San Antonio. Jeff, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Uh, how's the webcam? Is anyone sitting on your bench? <laughs> we're, we're not going for another week or so oh did you did you ever carve your initials in that well no it, it's it's actually a stone bench so we can't carve it but i thought about taking a oh. can of spray paint and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, facing property yeah yeah, Pastor oh. Ron and Paula they're they're arrested in California for defacing somebody else's property no no yeah. hi Jeff Hi, hi, Paula. It'll be it'll be another reboot, reboot, and and of course a relax and all that good stuff. But that was so funny. Oh, um, thanks. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, you're, you're talking about Isaiah 53, and if, if you look after that verse, and that the verse, I, I think it's I have to look at it, but where where he says that he was he was treated so badly, yet he never said a word. Yeah, and verse seven. Mm-hmm. Verse seven, yes, and that that mm-hmm. that really speaks to speaks to my heart. In, in, as we serve, and we, you know, I know I've talked to you guys before about like the disappointments in in ministry, but that's one of those verses that has always stood out to me. Like, hey, so they so he slapped you, they slapped you in the face, but he <laughs> never said a word. Yeah, mm-hmm. like. Never say a word. We don't complain. And I know my wife and I will, will complain at home sometimes and then go to prayer about it and, and and then just remember, you know, just all that our Savior endured to um, in, in, throughout his ministry. And why should, why should we be any different? Why? why? We're not. Yeah. So, anyway. You know, G- Jeff, he, w- he was oppressed and afflicted. And and when we when we're oppressed or afflicted, we scream and we complain and we think it's unfair. And yet Jesus didn't open his mouth in his defense. I said at the beginning of the program, the only defensible person in the history of the world, and he chose not to, and he did it to set an example for us. When when uh, I was going through this last night, the study, 
uh, verse 7 is we were beholding the silent king. And and so often we're, we're quick to defend ourselves. We want to be vindicated or validated. And Jesus, who could have called down 12 legions of angels with one word, he could have said, Michael! And and they would have been there in a flash. And And yet he didn't do it. And he didn't do it because the example he set was so important for us. I think that's a staggering, staggering verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all were. And they Isaiah all 53. were. Yeah, I'm looking at it, you know, where in verse 9 it says, He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. Mine's NLT. But he was buried like a criminal. Ugh. Like, you know, like a criminal. That, yeah, like a criminal. Hanging between two real criminals. Um, but, yeah, buried like a criminal. Unreal. I, I had a he, question he, for you, Pastor Okay. I have a question for you, Pastor Ron, but a couple couple comments to to Paula. Paula, I love that Rander Draper. Uh, he's he's the other local pastor that I really want to give a hug to, and it's just really really neat mm-hmm. to, to hear Pastor Ron and then Pastor Rander um, together. You know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> so so totally different styles, but you know, just uh, yeah. both really beautiful men of God, and I, I just really mm-hmm. that's my ninety minutes is you know. Pastor Ron's show, yeah, and, and then <laughs> Pastor Draper. And I wanted to ask you, Paula, I know you're, you're big on music. Um, just real quick, have you ever heard of a worship leader from Nigeria named Nathaniel Bassey? No. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to send you a link. I'm going to send you a link to questions you need to hear him. I'm just okay. amazed. He is just anointed and beautiful lyrics and everything. But Pastor Ron was having a discussion with someone about Philippians 4.13, and it, it seems like a lot of Christians take that verse out of context because they don't, they don't you know, we, we take it and say we can do anything through Jesus Christ that gives us strength. But what does that anything mean? Does that anything mean doing things that we know we don't know how to do when we trust in God to, to Christ to help us, to, to push us through? Or should we perhaps read the context in the verses prior to that where, where Paul talks about being content and I think I think it has more to do with contentment than it does have to to do with um, using that verse as a you know a means to you know for self motivation or something. And Jeff, you're you're exactly right. And thank <laughs> thank you, Jeff. I'll uh, I'll answer you can listen off the air. Um, a couple things before I answer. Okay. Thanks. Before I, I talk about Philippians four, um, um, Jeff, thank you for for uh, your your kind words. Uh, Rander is a good guy. I mean, he's really a good guy. I, I, I we're not close friends. Um, he's a man I could be a close friend to, uh, but um, just Jesus sort of pours out of every fiber of his being when you're around him. I've never seen him without a smile on his face or a good word or an encouraging word. Uh, he is a great exhorter. Uh, and he's teaching a different audience than I'm teaching. Uh, and yet he is a, a man who uh, proclaims the need to walk in holiness. And that's just something that uh, he is as politically incorrect as I am and as socially incorrect as I am. Uh, he just does it in a way that doesn't make people mad. I think I make people mad, <laughs> and, and he doesn't. But uh, um, I, I've met him several times, mm-hmm. and we've had opportunities to talk. Uh, and he is every bit um, in person, in private, what you think he is listening to him on the radio. That's that's a really nice thing to be able to say about yeah. somebody. Sometimes when he's teaching, I am cracking up, crying you know, just because the way he can say something, because like you're, like you're saying, he's talking to a different audience. He's a different guy. He's a different audience. Um, but then somebody goes, Woo, you know, <laughs> he sings when he speaks and stuff. But I, I can get, I can get it. I can hear from him. It's okay. It's good. Yeah, I, I was thinking uh, about you know if I did some things he would do. Oh yeah, no, it would just be so unnatural, <laughs> and yet it's so natural for him. For him yeah, it's just uh, I love the way the Lord uses him. Uh, Philippians four thirteen, um, Jeff, as you know, is is uh, um, I call them plaque verses or refrigerator magnet verses. Uh, we love this, and 
And you're right. Everybody takes that out of context. Uh, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, so we, we you know we we sort of shout at demons and and do silly stuff when in fact um, you know none of those plaques have the next verse on it. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not in there. So the context is important, and he's saying uh, that that he's learned the secret of being content. Two things about that, Jeff. One, um, he had to learn it. It was a secret. It's not something that comes natural to us. To our flesh, when we're in need, we want to everybody to know what our need is, and we're not content. And we complain and we grumble and we moan. Uh, that's what happened to the Israelites in the Exodus wilderness. Uh, you know, have a great meal. Uh, the manna comes down from heaven. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, but the next time they're thirsty, uh, let us go back to Egypt. Why did you bring us here? Um, they they weren't content in what God was doing for them. So the, the, the context of this verse, and it cannot be taken out of context. It simply can't. Um, the context of this verse is learning to be content. And Paul, in this particular case, was was starving. Uh, read Second Corinthians 12, you know, Paul's uh, description of his ministry, the things that he suffered. Mm. And he knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to be cold, to be clothed. And he knew what it was like to, to not be clothed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a hard, hard ministry. And what he's saying is, look, through all of that, I learned the secret of being content. I know what that secret is. It's just be with Jesus. And Paul was just with Jesus and, and in his presence, uh, you're going to be content because his presence is more than what we need. And I love the fact that the Philippians... Now, here's something that a lot of people don't really know unless you've really dug into the history of the church. Uh, the Philippian church was relatively poor. Mm-hmm. Um, they had all kinds of persecution issues. Uh, it certainly wasn't a, a popular thing in their culture to be a Christian. Sin was rampant where they lived, and and yet uh, these were people who, who, when moved by the Holy Spirit, they contributed to Paul's ministry because they wanted to share in the rewards of that ministry. And they were the only church, Paul says. There were far larger and more influential and richer churches, but only the Philippians. Uh, in verse 15... Um, no, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. And here's what we know happened historically because they shared abundantly beyond what they can afford. Because they shared out of the generosity of their heart wanting to share in his rewards. Then the Lord blessed them and and ultimately uh, the churches in Philippi became very, very wealthy churches and, and you know, God will do that today if we understand that everything belongs to him. When he can trust you with his stuff, mm-hmm. as he could trust the Philippians, mm-hmm. and the Philippians sent time and time again. And in this letter, it's almost like Paul saying, you know what, you guys don't need to keep giving me money. You don't need to keep sending these gifts. I'm doing fine. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't help themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is with God's people. Yeah. Appreciate that, Jeff. You know, Paula, uh, that describes a lot of... of Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Not the church. We haven't become a rich church <laughs> by any means. We one time had, had a huge gift that was given to us and uh, um, my office manager, and she meant it in the, in the best way. She said, yeah, sounds good now, but Pastor Ronald will spend it all. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we spend it all for, yeah. for, for God's glory. Yeah. And um, what God has done is he's turned our people into a very generous group of people who give uh, because they, they allow the Spirit of God to move on their heart. Not because we ask them, because we don't. Mm-hmm. Not because we let our needs be known, because we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, things are always crazy difficult here. And yet God keeps providing through his people. That's what it was like in the early days of the church at Philippi. I wouldn't be surprised if right after it's time for me to go be with Jesus, then our church turns into a pretty rich church. Nah, <laughs> we're a pretty rich church already. Yeah, time and time again, you know, because we don't know stuff. We find out a lot of times after the fact. Now, a young lady that comes to our house, um, the other day I looked out and I said, why you got a new van? She goes, yeah, somebody said, 
we just have a van sitting around. It's got a lot of miles on it, but you can have it till it runs out. It's like a new car to her because her car, the passenger, no, the driver's side window wouldn't, doesn't work, you know, and she have to get out and then kind of try to lock the door. It was just not, but she never complained. And yet now, and that's happened so many times in this body. And see, she learned the secret of being content. She was. With an old broke car. Mm-hmm. And God provided something else. Yeah. And she's absolutely thrilled. Yeah. That kind of stuff. You know, for the, for the Christian who sits around Paula and says, you know, well, I don't need to go to church. It's my only day of birth. They don't know what they're missing. That's what they're missing. They're missing being part of a, of a living. Of a family. Family. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what happens. Yeah. And this one in particular, just her smile, I can see it now. And just her joy. You know, I can hear it now. And with the other car, she was, it was just funny. It was still getting her where she needed to go. It was rough, I'm sure, when it was rainy or <laughs> when it was exceptionally hot because, you know, the window wouldn't work. But just to, she never complained. I just love that. And I, I want to be more like that, too. So anybody calling? Nope. 340-9585. We've still got a little bit of time for some questions coming in. Paula, what's up? Yeah, so we were at the searching king and then the silent king, the sinless king. And so not that any Christian is ever going to be sinless. You know, I know that people say you can be because you're you're a Christian, but they're lying. Um, uh-huh. But, uh, I, you know, last night I said this, may there be no deceit found in my mouth, you know. And the only reason it would be in my mouth is because it would be in my heart. Um, because the word says if it comes out of my mouth, it's because it's in my heart. So my prayer is, Lord, not only let there be no deceit found in my mouth, but purify my heart. Um, and then I wrote another note, Paula, aim for perfection, aiming for holiness with all my strength not really my strength, with all the strength that the Holy Spirit gives me since he reboots me. Yeah. There's my word, Jeff. Me and you, we got it together. (laughs) And then the obedient king, you know, um, and you asked the question, uh, because Isaiah 53, 10, but it was the Lord's will, or in another one, in, in the NLT it says, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. In another one, it says, "The King James is, is the best one." It, yeah. it, it pleased, it pleased God, God to crush His Son. To crush His Son. That just, you know, I mean, when I was a brand new Christian, and I read that one, that really was like, "What kind of God am I serving?" You know, that He would be pleased to crush His Son because I didn't know anything, but that He would be pleased to crush His Son because of. The return on the investment. I'm that valuable. And then Song of Solomon 4, 7, all beautiful you are, my darling, there is no flaw in you, really begins to take on a different definition for me. Um, I am redeemed. You know, I'm glad you said that, I am redeemed, because I think one of the things that we miss about this whole um, transaction on the cross is that this was a business deal. This was a business deal, and, and God the Father is concerned with return on investment. You know, he gives us the Holy Spirit to get a return mm-hmm. on his investment in us. But when he gave his son, when it pleased him to crush him, the only way that's possible is that he was viewing down the corridor of time and space the return he was going to get on that investment. Because his son died, many would live. Mm-hmm. Because his son died, we would go out and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. And until we get that deep in our souls... We don't really understand um, the depth of the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. And all of this, and this is why this is important, um, all of this ought to generate such gratitude in our hearts that we then emulate our king. Mm -hmm. That's why I used the the introduction last night, Behold Our King, uh, because we, we, we think of King Jesus, you know, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Or we think of him as the lamb that was slain before the fire. And all that's true. But there's so much more to who he is. He's a silent king who didn't defend himself. He's the holy king. There was no deceit found, no violence in him. Um, um, he, he was a suffering king. 
He was the, the servant king. He was all of those things. But he was the king who laid it all down. And he did so obediently. Not willingly. He didn't mm-hmm. want to do this. He did it obediently. Mm-hmm. And he was afflicted as no man ever has been before. Yeah. And God the Father was pleased. pleased. And we know he couldn't look upon it, but it wasn't because his son was being beaten. He couldn't look upon it because his son was taking on our sin. Yeah. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And Paula, it's that righteousness that that cost him everything. And please God to give us to give that righteousness to you and to me. Mm-hmm. May the Lord not just have these be words that we read in the Bible and and see it like a movie, but to really, really see Jesus. That's what I meant. By let Jesus wash over you. Then he must have just washed over May me. these just not be words, but yeah. may these be things. And then, of course, the victory, the last one last mm-hmm. night was he's the risen king. He's the king of victory. He's the yeah. king that guarantees victory. Mm-hmm. And and all of those other behold Jesus as all culminates in this. And what we need to do now every day in our lives, in defeat, too many of us live um, in, a, in a discontent way. Instead of looking to the king of kings and saying, you did all that for me, yeah. I'm going to give you everything I have. You're my best friend, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Date Day edition of the program. Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow, Friday at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.